verse 17. Luke 10, 17 to 18. Uh, 17 to, 9, to 19. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I would like to read these scriptures that I read again just one more time. And I want you to look into your Bibles, if you've got them with you. And let's read it again. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Say to yourself, I am authorized to overpower devils. Oh, you want to say it like you mean it. I'm authorized to overpower devils. I'm talking about devils. Praise God. Hmm. God is good. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your word once again, for the, to say the same thing again to us, we know it's not grievous, but it's helpful for stability. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your love towards us. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your grace that sustains us. Thank you, God Almighty, for where you brought us to Mount Zion, the holy city of God. Thank you that we are at your feet this afternoon, this morning. May your name be glorified and may we never be the same again because of your word and truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hmm. Human institutions God created the heavens and the earth we know that from Genesis and entrusted the earth to man for running affairs or for replicating heaven on earth 
God's intention is that whatever he had in heaven will be seen here on earth. Hence, the prayer of Jesus, when you pray, ask that the kingdom be done on earth as it is in heaven. So man was given dominion, control, and rulership over many things, and man exercised his authority rightly. But then, because of sin, man began to have troubles, and in the midst of all these things, man began to, or humans, I would, I would say, began to develop all kinds of systems to help manage the earth. And man has done an excellent job. We must not dismiss that. An excellent job has been done because had not been for the developed systems, most of us would have been living, we would have been living under trees. And when you look throughout the whole world, you can see that there's been great development, great development. And, and Daniel teaches us that very, very clearly. We have the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw, head of gold, silver, talking about excellence. Man has done great things. But then along the line, we can see that this greatness is not, doesn't seem to last we seem to be going downhill and just last week after the service, I, I was not aware, but I was informed that, you know, someone had taken a young lady by the wayside and murdered her. And this person is supposed to be a police officer. And you ask yourself, where is the world going? And previously I have heard that a young boy during the, young, during the lockdown has also impregnated some young girls. And it, it's just, you ask yourself, what is going on? What are people being taught? And the, one of the ridiculous things that we heard was that, you know, because of what is happening, men are becoming dangerous. Men are becoming more and more dangerous. So a curfew should be put upon men. So by six o'clock, every man should be at home. A very interesting concept. You see, what I'm trying to say here this morning is that the problem is a spiritual problem, but men are trying to use uh, systems, uh, uh, physical or natural systems, to, to deal with it. And that is what men have always done. Things that they can't understand, things that are spiritual and they can't understand, they can't de decipher, they dismiss. So we see ourselves going downhill. We keep implementing systems upon systems. Uh, I, I'm not against democracy, which is the rule of the majority. But we know that even with that system, things still crumble down. Uh, some governments seem to be running democracy, but actually at the moment they are running minority rule, which is... Which is minorityism they, they they run in that kind of system where a few people are making decisions for the majority and I mean no problems with that they are doing a good job but the thing is this man is not recognizing that there is a spiritual dimension to life and that as long as people are being and people are being influenced humanity or humans are influenced by spiritual by the spiritual dimension. 
and unless that is recognized, things will continue to go down. So you realize that our systems, our society is, is becoming more sinful. Evil is, is on the increase, wickedness abounding, and we are developing systems. But the good news is that God has a solution to it, and the solution is the authority of Christ Jesus. The authority of Christ Jesus. Without the authority of Christ Jesus, the sin problem, the evil and the wickedness problem is not going to be dealt with. It's, it is going to increase. But there is hope in the authority of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And here in this passage of Luke, the 17th to the 19th verse, uh, God is making us to understand Making us to understand that he has given his people spiritual authority, you know, to, over all the power of the enemy to free people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is what God is making available. This is what God is saying to us today. Praise God. Now, come with me. Come, come with me to to the, to, the, to the verse 17. Let's, let's look, let's, let's explore this in the scriptures. In the verse 17. So here in the verse 17, as we understand already, the 70 have come back from their mission trip and they are rejoicing. They are glad. They are happy. It wasn't wrong for them to be happy because that is the mission of God. But then, of course, we know that Christ will point them to a greater joy, a greater joy, a greater joy that should help in sustaining them in this mission, this harvest mission. So they come back, it says, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. So they've experienced something that they have never experienced before. Throughout all their lives, they have never seen devils being subject to them. So they are happy about it. <laughs> now the thing is this. What is important to realize in this uh, text that we read here is this. That the devils that were running wild and ruining lives, these 70 now realize when they went out, these wild devils and demons and <laughs> demons or whatever you want to call them, having the full day, are now subject unto them. Subject unto them. Now, what does the term subject unto them mean? Subject unto. The word subject unto really is a military term. Which means to be ranked under. That is to say, someone is positioned under you or put under somebody in, in terms of team, teamwork. When you are put under somebody, whatever work you, you do, you submit that work to that person to, for, for checking. So you don't put your work forward when you've done it. You go to that person to submit to say, is it okay? Before, if that person says it's okay, and then you proceed. That is what that term really means. They were subject unto us. 
That means they were ranked under us. We saw them ranked uh, under us. You remember the case. A case in point would be, you know, the demon that the devils that Christ just had to cast out uh, um, at the lakeside. And they said to him, please, can you let us go into the pigs? Right. So the, the, it, that, that is being subject onto them, ranking and now asking for permission to do certain things. Praise God. So basically what he's saying is this. Although these spirits seem mighty, they seem, their works seem to be, you know, great and men's, men seem to tremble and not know what to do. And when they are on the scene, humanity doesn't know what to do. Uh, to do. What the Bible is telling us here is this. For the people or the, for the person who is under Christ, these devils are subject unto that person. Amen. Praise God. Now, this is a truth. Now, often, this, this, this is a good point to make here. Often, when truth is declared, or when the Bible teaches something, there are two options. Two options, two. Only two. And you are in one of these camps. There's no middle ground. Okay? You are on this side or you are on that side. And it is this. When the Bible brings, when the scripture brings out truth, you either see it as a nice religious idea to keep in your head. That when people are talking Christianity, you too, you bring the idea out and just say it in person. And then you feel so good that you've also been able to, you know, pass out a nice religious idea. And people go, wow, that's wonderful. Great. That is one. Or you take it as reality. That is what it is. And you, you, you literally live it. You believe it. You accept it. You embrace it. It enters your bloodstream and you live it. Reality. These are the two options. Praise God. Now, it is these two options that makes nominal Christians and strong Christians. The nominal ones, when they hear truth from the scripture, see that's what? A nice religious idea, a nice idea just to keep in your head. And sometimes even forget it until you're reminded. But then there are others, when they hear it, they take it seriously and say, Hey, if that's what God says, then this is reality for me. That's how I live my life. And that's all about it. In the Christian faith, we see it all the time. 
So you wonder, some people will be in a particular assembly or congregation and they'll be there for Methuselah years and they remain the same. Nothing changes. Their old ideologies are still there. They maintain who they are. They never change. You can preach hell. You can preach storm. You can preach river. You, you can preach. Go ahead. Do what you like. Some are so. They don't give a toss. They will remain the way they are. That means they just take the things that come from the scripture, that come from God as nice ideas. Fine. Religious. But then there's another kind. Hallelujah. There is another kind which Daniel describes as this, Daniel 11, 30, 32. Daniel says, And as such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. But, 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 the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. And do exploits. Now, this second group, they are what we call believers. Believers, because in the early days, in the in the early days, it was when they saw the activities of the disciples, and then they called them ah believers, believers in Christ Jesus. They believed and they acted because because to believe is to accept that something is true. I mean, a person is not worthy of the name of the title believer if he doesn't accept. What Christ Jesus teaches. Until a person accepts as true what the Bible teaches and practices them, that person is not worthy of that title believer. Because to be a believer of Christ or in Christ is to accept that what he teaches or what he says is true. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, if it is a simple idea, which we talk about on Sunday morning, and then after that, it's over, then it's just, that's just what it is. That is just what it is. But if you are ready to accept them as reality, then you move to the next place or the next level, what we call you a believer in Christ Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> Come with me to the verse 18. Praise God. If you are aware of devils ruining people's lives, if you are aware of people's lives being destroyed and you can clearly say or you can clearly see that this is the work of wicked spirits ruining and destroying their lives, then the message to you today is this. You can no longer live as a helpless, you know, individual, if you're a Christian, you can no longer live as a helpless individual 
or you know, sorry, we are victims of these spirits. No, you can no longer live like that anymore. Christ wants you to take a stand. Hallelujah. You want to come to the side of the of these 70 disciples who say, Hey, the devils are subject to us in your name. In your name. Now, when they had said this, when they had said this, Jesus Christ said something. He said, and he said unto them in the verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now you see, there are two views concerning this statement. Two views. And usually, one view is pitched against the other. That means you have to pick one of these views. The first view is this. The first view explains this particular statement that Christ made as this. That when he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven, Jesus was referring to seeing Satan fall, fall from heaven when he was cast out of heaven after his rebellion against God. That that was what he was referring to. And the reason for this interpretation or for this explanation it's because he used the word beheld, which is past tense. Because he said, I beheld. So it's past tense. So because of that, that is, so here he was referring to that. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. The second view explains it this way. It says that Jesus meant that as they went out to preach, he saw Satan fall as lightning does in the clouds. So as they went to preach, as they were, as they were preaching, he saw Satan fall like lightning from the crowd, from the clouds. Now, after looking at these two views, I come to the conclusion, and my conclusion is this: both views are right, and the second one follows after the first. That because he has fallen from heaven, he will continue to fall. Wherever Christ is, wherever heaven's throne is established, he will fall. So he has fallen, I beheld him fall as lightning from heaven. He has fallen. And as you went out and you were preaching, you were advancing the kingdom of God and see his work. Tumbled. Why? Because people opened up. Light came. The sick were healed. The demons or the devils were subject unto you, unto, you, unto you in my name. That was a demonstration of falling. Praise God. See, and in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 26, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So in heaven, if he was booted out, then I'm sorry, on earth too, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Hello? Hello? Oftentimes we say, 
who rules this earth? And we want to say Satan. But hey, Jesus declared, all authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me. So if you, if you are in the camp that says that, whoa, uh, on this earth, the, the power belongs to Satan, you need to reread your Bible again. Hallelujah. There's a need for rereading of the Bible again because the kingdoms of this earth, praise God, the kingdoms of this earth, the Bible says have become the, kingdom of, the, the, the kingdoms of our God. Let's read it. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 says, the, uh, Revelation 11 verse 15. He says, and the seven angels sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God, or the kingdoms of our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So you see, the kingdoms of men are becoming the kingdoms of our God. So wherever his camp has been, it is turning. It is transforming hands. So it is, it, is, it is transferring hands or it is changing hands. Christ, Jesus, is taking over. Praise God. This should put some encouragement in your hearts. Because if everything is looking so doom, um, doom and gloom and dark, why don't you understand? Power belongs to God. Power belongs to our God. Now let's focus on the text. Let's focus on the text. Verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning, as lightning fall from heaven. Praise God. You see, the word, Jesus uses a word, the word as. And that word is very important. He says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Putting the word as between Satan and lightning suggests that he's making a comparison. Right? And what is the comparison? Not that he saw Satan physically falling down. But in the immaterial, in the world that you cannot touch about us, the spiritual world, he saw Satan as lightning. The question is, what is lightning? We all know what lightning is, isn't it? Okay, lightning, it is that natural electrical charge, uh, that natural electrical discharge that shows up for a short time, okay, in the clouds, or, or in the clouds, or between the clouds and the earth. And it's usually accompanied by a bright flash, and then, and then it's gone. So what he's saying is this, I saw Satan fall. It was quick and snappy. Boom. It was not draggy. It didn't take a long time. It was like lightning. 
flash, he was down. It is not like when you try to get a lazy man or a lazy boy from, from the bed or a lazy girl from the bed. Wake up, wake up. No, no, no. It was quick and snappy like lightning. So, what is he saying here? That yes, your mission was successful because he's fallen. He's fallen from the heaven like lightning. He's fallen. Hallelujah. He's fallen. And so, whatever structure he has set up, as believers advance the kingdom of God, as we go forward, to, you know, as we go about advancing God's kingdom, his structures will continue. We will see it breaking down, breaking down, breaking. That is what he's saying. Yes, you are successful because he's falling like lightning from the heavens. Praise be to God. So we have a responsibility. So do we want to see the reign of the, de of the devils in the hearts of men come to an end? Do we hope to see that? Do we hope to see people's lives that are being ruled and being, being ruled and being ruined by this wicked evil spirit? Do we want to see an end to these things? Then we have to understand that we've got a responsibility. We have a responsibility. Ability. Praise God. We have a responsibility. Yes. We are to be excited that, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But this joyful, you know, but this joyful position comes with a responsibility. Hallelujah. Praise God. So. What he's saying here is this. Be encouraged, hallelujah. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. It, it looks like there is a momentum, a momentum for evil gathering. You hear the news. You hear these things. This is happening here. That is happening here. These people are building empires here. This empire is being built here. This, this, this group is doing this here. And it's, and it's all evil news. And you hear them and you wonder, is there any hope for the world? Is anybody going to be saved? Are our young ones going to be saved? Are they ever going to get into the kingdom? Are the generation being born? Is anybody ever going to get born again? Where the way the society is going? Beloved, I want you to consider something this morning. And it is this. Some months ago, how was your understanding in the things of God? Has it gone down or has it increased? Some years ago, the things you are able to do now, I'm talking about now, currently. Were you doing them some years ago? Now you are training people. Now you are discipling certain people. Now your, <laughs> your spiritual energies are stirred up. You can sense that 
<laughs> that you were really on the go for the Lord. Let me ask you, who do you think is behind that? Do you think it is your pastor? Wrong. Do you think it is yourself? No, it's not you. It's Christ himself equipping you for the level of the, for the intensity of evil mounting up in the universe, mounting up in the earth. He's also equipping and charging and marshalling his people. He's stirring us up. You are feeling incredible fire, incredible unction working through your life. Check yourself two months ago, three months ago, five months ago, a year ago. The things you were doing now, you were not even doing them. But now, something else seems to have seized you and, and seized you and, and you are working in, in you, you don't even know who you are now. Something is working on the inside. And you can tell it's a fire of God burning on the inside of you, causing you to action. That is the work of Christ. So as the evil is intensifying, so is he also intensifying his people. So is he also working. Hallelujah. So it is Christ. It is Christ equipping you for an open declaration and for challenging those evil laws and open and, and those evil and malicious decisions being made and all that is for you to rise up and to do something about them. Hallelujah. Praise God Almighty. Clearly, Luke 10, 17 teaches us that when the light of the kingdom appears, Satan's kingdom in the hearts of men fall. When people are healed of diseases and sicknesses, it's a manifestation of the glory of God and the destruction of, the, of, of Satan's kingdom. Let me tell you this. When truth appears in your heart, it is a manifestation of the destruction of the workings of Satan. Because truth has come. Light has come. And you will no longer walk in darkness in that side of life any longer. That is a destruction of the kingdom of darkness. There's an, an advancement in the kingdom of God. Let's understand. You see, as you, as you increase in faith in God, your trust in God is increasing. That is a destruction of the working of Satan because you are no longer going to go back there in doubt anymore. You've come into faith, you come to understanding, and you're going to progress and progress and progress. This is the working of God. You see, I believe that as you sit down, even by your, sometimes we, we think that sitting down to even study God's word is just, you know, studying God's work. But you don't understand that any manifestation of truth and light in the hearts of men is an open declaration and destruction of the structures of Satan's kingdom. That is what it is. That is what it is. As you sit down with your brethren, discussing the scriptures, and truth is coming, and light is coming, and people are going, wow, oh my goodness, I never saw this like, like that. My goodness, what, what a truth is coming up. Things are breaking down. Kingdoms of the enemy are breaking, are falling apart. And the kingdom of God is advancing. Studying God's truth. 
it's not a wasteful exercise. No, you can't compare it to studying mathematics. No, 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 no. You can't compare it to studying biology. As I am not discrediting that. I'm not saying if you're a student, don't study. Praise God. If you're a student, I want to encourage you. You are to even do much, much better than all the unbelievers in the class. If the unbelievers are beating you, it's about time you start to do some hard prayings to, 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 uh, to God. Mm, mm, mm. Daniel did it. You can. Praise God. You see, in saying this, I want to ask another question. If studying God's truth is even helping a young person understand a little truth of God's word. If it is nothing, if it is nothing, oh, it, it doesn't matter. Hey, come on, let's go. You don't need to listen to this teaching. Let's go. Next time you, you will hear it. If that moment is so insignificant, let me ask you a question. Why is it that Anytime you make plans to sit down to study God's truth, you face challenges and oppositions. But the moment you plan, you're going to spend that time watching TV. You get ample time to do it. Tell me why. Tell me why. And then you go, time flies when having fun. Of course. Hmm. See, so it's a battleground, I must say. It's a battleground. It is a battleground. Praise God. And victory is on the side of those who are under the name of Christ Jesus. Under the name of Christ Jesus. Having said that, having said that, I beheld Satan... As lightning fall from heaven, he goes on to say, Behold, behold. Pause there, pause there, pause, pause on that word for a second. Behold, behold. Another, it's sometimes translated low, L O, low. The original word is idu. Edu. It is used, this, 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 this word that Christ uses here, it is used as an imperative. Right? That is something that is very important, something that is very crucial. So he used that word to call for attention. So, in other words, he, he was saying, this is of utmost importance, okay? Oh, let me try and dramatize what Jesus Christ was saying here. He was literally, he was literally saying, guys, be perceiving. Be discerning. Recognize. Become aware. Become conscious. That, that was what he was saying. He was saying, become aware, 
become conscious. Let it come to the forefront of your mind. Let this be in your conscious mind. And what is it? What is it? What is that? What is it that should be in my, in my conscious mind? That I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So he's saying, become conscious. Don't become unconscious about it. Don't let it be something that, oh, every time you read Luke, 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 Luke 10, 19, then you, oh, oh yeah, it is, it is here. No, let it be the forefront of your mind. Behold, be perceiving, beware, become conscious of this fact that, that I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and of all the power of the enemy. In other words, this should not be something that should be absent from your mind. It should be so present in your mind till it becomes second nature. Second nature, like waking up and knowing you must brush your teeth. Second nature, like when you wake up in, in the morning, you know, you know what, I must wash down. I must eat. Like that. Become conscious of it. Like you wake up and you know you've, you are a married man, you are conscious of the, of, of the fact that you've got a wife. Or you're a married woman, you know you're, like, you're conscious of the, of the fact that you've got a husband. Or you're a mother. You wake up and you are conscious of the fact that you've got children. Become conscious like that. Let it become active in your mind. Or you are a schoolboy or schoolgirl. You wake up Monday, Monday to Friday and you know you must go to school. You can't, you, you, you can't be absent-minded on that one. That's what he's saying. Become conscious. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me also point this out. This statement that Christ makes here was not made before they left for the mission. So you will say, oh, it was for the missional, oh, no, it was for the missional going out for the mission. Yes, 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 I know that, yeah. And it is, it, it is for that as well. But I want you to point your attention to the fact that it was not said before they left. It was said after they've come back. Indicating that it is not just a missional empowerment, but a positional empowerment. Okay. What, what I'm saying is this. It is not an empowerment for simply going because they were on the they were they were going. So when you're going to talk to someone, no, it is for your being in Christ. Positional empowerment. So it's, it, it is for your being, for the fact that, for the bare fact that you are in Christ, this is your empowerment. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Praise God. 
So, it suggests that believers have been enrolled in a lifetime of battle over and against the enemy, Satan. Now, there is something I want you to notice here. Notice something here, please. He said, I give unto you what? I give unto you what? No, no. I don't give unto you power. That word there is no power. That word there is authority. It's exousia. Okay? Power is dynamis. Now, watch what Christ does here. I give unto you exousia to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power. Now, that word is power. It's dynamis. So, I give you exousia over dynamis. And the difference is important. Right. Dunamin or dunamis talks about ability. It talks about skill. It talks about work. You've been able to do something. You have a skill to do something. When, when, you, when you've got skill to write, you've got a power. You know, you've got a writing power. You know, some, some, some people, they've got writing power. They can write and when, when you do something and they write to you, their writing is so powerful, so convincing, so you can't. You can't argue against what they've written. It's so strong. It's a skill. It's a power. It's, it's an ability. Okay. Now, that is not authority. Authority is different. What then is authority? What Christ gave? Because Christ gave them authority over Satan's power. Okay. Exousia. Look this. The authority is the right, the right to allow or not allow operation. That's exousia. That's authority. Authority allows or does not allow operation. You may be powerful. You have the skill, have the ability, but I'm not allowing you. Who's powerful? You may have a skill, but I'm not allowing you. So the one with authority is ranked higher than the one with the power. You have the power, but I have the authority. Okay, example. Example is this. Say, say you are... You sing in a team. You, you, you sing in a choir. You pow, you are, you're powerful. Your voice is great. Or maybe you are in a football team. You are a footballer. You play in a team. And you, you are the best player. But the coach or the music team leader has authority over you. And the team leader or the coach can say, Today you're not singing. Or today you are playing. Oh, but I'm the most powerful. No, no. But I say you are not singing. Or you're not playing. And if the coach says you're not playing, you are not playing. You sit down. That is why Christ gave them authority over power. 
So say yes, so the devils may have the ability, may have the skill, they may do all kinds of things. But he's saying to the believer, I give you the right to allow or not, or not to allow. Oh, come on, is someone hearing me? Oh, come on. <laughs> so, if the enemy has the power to do something in Christ, the believer has the right to alter it. That is what he's talking about here. I give you the right to alter, to allow or not to allow. How the enemy operates. And then he says tread. The word he uses is tread. To tread means, to tread means to trample on something with your feet. Another meaning for tread is to insult or to hold in contempt. That is to disrespect it, to look down upon it. I know you play well, but I look down upon your work. I know you've written a nice piece, but I don't like it. Tread on it. So when the evil comes, yes, you may have done all these things, but I am not allowing it. I'm treading on it. I'm stamping upon it. I'm stamping upon it. I'm not allowing you. God have mercy. So trample, treat with disrespect the serpents and the scorpions. That, that's what he's saying here. I give you authority to treat, to trample over, to ride over the serpents and the scorpions. Now, the big question is, is Jesus talking about literal serpents and scorpions that we should now all start going into the bush looking for serpents and scorpions and stepping upon them to exercise the authority of God to know that now God has given us authority? Is that what he's saying here? Because in Mark 16 verse 18, he says, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So Jesus uses these uses serpents in a literal sense in Mark 16, 8, Mark 16 18. Literal sense. What about what God does in Genesis 3 verse 15? In Genesis 3 verse 16, he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and, it shall bruise, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So here, talking to the serpent and the woman, was God speaking literally or figuratively or symbolically? Was he, using the, was he speaking symbolically? Or that God, was, God has put down enmity between snakes on the floor and women? What about men? So was he speaking symbolically? Okay, I've got more for you. Romans 16 verse 20. Romans 16 verse, verse, verse 20. It, it reads, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. 
Was Satan literally under the feet of the Roman church? So here, was he speaking symbolically or was he speaking literally? Psalm 91 verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion. So here, you see, in Romans 16 20, he says, The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Remember, Jesus told them that I give you power to trample, to tread, to tread his under the feet. And here he's saying that the God of peace shall bruise it and under your feet. And in Psalm 91 verse 13 he reads, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. And in Isaiah 11 verse 8 he reads, and the second child shall play in, on the hole of the asp, that's the snake. And the wind child shall put his hand on the cockatoo's den. So here, are these, is, is God speaking in symbols or is he speaking literally? We understand that these words are used symbolically in a spiritual sense. Although in Isaiah 11 verse 8, it may be literal, but we know that there's a spiritual, there's a symbolic sense here. So, but looking at Luke 10 verse 19, you could so again, we can see that serpents and scorpions, which is the reptiles and Is it insects or archinids? They are all put in the same category with the enemy. And the enemy is not physical. So he's putting these things, serpents and scorpions, and then the power of the enemy. So clearly, we can see that he's speaking here symbolically. Right. Okay. If we look, what does serpent mean then? If it's symbolically, what does it mean by serpent? Serpent, I'm sure we all know. When we talk about serpent, we are, we, are, we are talking about deception. Deception. And are we living in an age of deception? Yes, we are. Deception, deceive, deceit. Deceit is on the increase. Recently, I, I, I heard someone want to rent a house from somebody and they knew that if they, if they tell them what they're going to use a house for, they wouldn't give them. So they told them, well, oh, we're going to use a house for something else. And when they were given the keys, they turned it into a, into, into, into a den of the devil. God have mercy. Deceit and deception. Serpents also is a symbol for loss of innocence. You remember what happened in the garden? Loss of innocence. So it's deception and loss of innocence. So what he's saying is here, I give unto you authority to succeed over deception, overturn deceits, overturn the rule of deception 
and loss of innocence. And then we also understand scorpions. Scorpion is a symbol for severe pain or harsh judgment. Severe pain or harsh judgment. Come with me to 1 Kings 12 verse 11, please. 1 Kings 12 verse 11. In 1 Kings 12 verse 11, it says, And now, whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. 1 Kings 12 verse 11. I will chastise you with what? Scorpions. That is harsh. My father will beat you with whips, but I will do it with scorpions. Talking about harsh, harshness. Deal with you in a cruel manner. And is cruelty happening in our days? Did it happen in Luke's days? Yes. And in our days too? Yes. Cruelty. Severe cruelty. I said, I give you power. To overturn such things. Lives that have experienced severe hardship and, and cruelty. I give you authority to put them back right. To restore. To restore. Minds that have been deceived. I grant you the authority to be able to bring back home. Hallelujah. Wherever there's been deception. Innocence has been lost. But through the authority, through, through the words, the words that you carry, my words in, on your lips, we'll be able to restore innocence back to people. And they'll feel like they're fresh again. They're renewed again. Their vitality. Children whose minds have been corrupted because they've lost their virginity by your words as your words reach them and bring them back. And my words get into them. I will recreate a new spirit in them. And it shall be new for them. The guilt upon them that they feel that makes them continually rude to parents and to adults. Because the cause of, the, of most of the rudeness of young teenagers in our society is because of their promiscuity. They've seen things they're not meant to be seen. So they become promiscuous and they, and they become rude. That is what that thing does. Check. I have observed this all my life. Check this. Every child who's gone off the radar, who's been watching pornography, or who's, who's, who's had this intimacy with, with another, with the opposite person, check their lifestyle. They become rude. They become disrespectful. Because that is the nature of the enemy born in them. He tells them, I'm giving you this, it is, it is nice, it is nice, it is nice. And they take it. And the moment they take it, they realize they've corrupted themselves. And the guilt that they can't get over turns into continuous anger and disrespect and rebellion against their parents and against every adult in society. Check it. Check it. I dare anyone to check this. And you see that that is what it is. It's a rebellious spirit. It's a destructive spirit. And until, until, until believers take this authority and begin to work and understand that, hey, 
we have the mandate. We, we have the solution. It's, 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 it, it is in the authority given to us. To reverse some of these things. To call people back and restore them to fellowship with God. And over all the power of the enemy, he says. In Revelation 9 verse 10, again he says, And they had tails like scorpions, and, they, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. You see, he had God was speaking, he was speaking still in symbols. Beings with scorpion tails hurting people. There is, so you see, as harvesters and proclaimers of the kingdom of God, our task is to override or correct deception, restore loss of innocence, and bring justice, peace, and comfort where the enemy has brought harsh judgment and severe pain unjustly. Where he's brought these things unjustly, we have this mandate with the authority of Christ. This is the only way. We stepping out in the authority Christ has given us is the only way to solve the same problem in our world. When people have gone bad, when people have gone bad, curfew won't do it. Giving men six o'clock curfew will not do it. You can even make them sleep 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It won't solve the problem. It's a spiritual issue. And it is the believer's task to rise up. It's our task. It's you. It's me. It's our task to rise up spiritually. And to exercise this authority. See, so there are other actions. You see, he mentions serpents and scorpions. And then he says, and over all the power of the enemy. That means that, that indicates there are other things that may not come under deception, may not come under lo loss of innocence, and that may not come under you know, severe judgment and, and, and hardships, but they are still the works and activities of Satan. And you are granted the authority to trample over them. So, you see, is, is it our power? Is it in your blood? Is it going to be by the food you are eating? No. It's by the authority in the name of Jesus Christ that is given unto you and unto me. Praise God. And he, watch what he says here. Watch what he says here. He says, over all the power of the enemy. Now, the question is, who is the enemy? Someone says, enemy. Who is this enemy or enemy? Who is it? An enemy is one who opposes or, or mistreats another. The enemy we are talking about here is the enemy, is the devil. The enemy of God and the enemy of the believers. Why do I say this? 
Come with me to Psalm 139, please. Psalm 139, verse 20 to 22. Psalm 139, verse 20 to 22. He says, For they speak against thee wickedly. This is the psalmist speaking. And thy enemies take thy name in vain. Do I not hate them? Talking about, he's referring to God. That they speak against thee wickedly. And take, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them? Oh Lord, that hate thee. I hate them that hate thee. And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Now the enemies of God are the enemies of his people. And those who stand against his people concerning the cause of the concerning the advancement of the kingdom are the enemies also of God. I am not referring to that enemy that you had because you gossiped about him or her. I'm not talking about that kind of enemy. That enemy is your own enemy. It's not God's enemy. That is why you should keep your mouth closed and not gossip about other people. I'm not talking about that enemy whose shoe you stole and now they are persecuting you and they are chasing you. No, I'm not talking about that kind of enemy. That's your own enemies. Deal with it. But I'm talking about that enemy because of righteousness. They are against you. They are on you. They are God's enemies. And every enemy of God is your enemy too. Whoever doesn't like God doesn't like you. They won't like you. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God. You see, and as you're going on all these things, you might be wondering, hey God, are you sure? Hey God, are you sure? Hey God, are you sure I can go forward and the enemy will not strike back? And you are wondering, if those thoughts are running through your mind, put your heart to rest. Look at the next line. Look at the next line. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And then he adds, and nothing, nothing, hello, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. 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 You see, let me point this out. The statement Jesus Christ makes here, we need to understand it in context. Hallelujah. It is in context. It is in context of Luke 4, 9 to 12. Why do I say this? I put it in the context of Luke 4, but it's in the whole, it's in the whole big picture of the book of Luke. Okay? And I'm picking Luke 4, 9, 12 here because in Luke 4, 9, 12, the devil brought Jesus to the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down and, you know, the angels of God will come and carry you to show that you belong to God. This is not the context in which Christ is using this, 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 this statement. That nothing shall by any means hurt, hurt you. That means this promise here, this promise of Christ, or this safety, this safety that Christ promises you as you decide to step out, you know, to, to, to use authority in Christ to, to bring, to, to, to set people free or to... <laughs> To bring people free 
out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This promise of safety should not be taken as a promise if you are a stunt man in a movie. Hello? If you are a stunt man in, in a movie for Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan should sort you out. Hello? You should make sure you've got some life insurance there to sort you out. Okay? Or if you are a daredevil, if you are a daredevil, then have some other backup. This is not a promise for that. This promise is as you are embanking on harvesting on the kingdom mission, then he's saying that yet nothing shall by any means hurt you. Not when you deliberately, you deliberately like a dead devil or a stunt man, you, you, you deliberately put your, your, yourself, you know what, <laughs> you see, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to jump on this cliff and nothing will happen to me. You will find that by the time you open your eyes, you are in heaven. And if you're not ready to go, don't do it. But if you want to go quick, then go ahead and do it. God will receive you. Hallelujah. Hmm. 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 So this thing is to all the disciples. Praise God. This, sta- this statement is to, is to us all. It's to us all. God is merciful. Praise God. God is merciful. Huh. What are we saying here now? Okay. So then. How do we go about this? How do we go about this? First of all, we need to take we need to take note of the word that Christ uses at the very beginning of the verse, of the verse nineteen, "Behold," which is become conscious. How do we begin this process? Oh, but what if I what if, but what if I start to take authority and, and nothing happens? Christ is not saying start contemplating that. He said become conscious that I have given you authority over the serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the devil, all the, of, the, of the enemy. It should start with, first of all, this conscious, becoming aware, this consciousness. This truth is worth meditating. It is worth pondering about. It is worth taking time to let it run, I mean, sink deep down into you, becoming second nature to us. Praise the Lord. Let it truth sink down into us. God is merciful. You see, let me put it this way. Practically, how do we walk in this? I want to do this by rephrasing the sentence. Christ said, I give unto you authority over all the power of the enemy. Basically, what he's saying is this. You have been given authorization to alter or affirm all the works or actions of the enemy. So when the enemy does anything, do not think that you do not... You cannot do anything about it. Don't, don't, don't think like that. 
Because you've been given the authorization to alter or to allow. So when he's doing something, you have authority to alter or change something about it. If we neglect our authority, our responsibility, then the enemy will be ruining or will be running as authority in the land. Or in our homes. Or in our neighborhood. Or in our workplace or whatever. Let's accept the responsibility of the king of kings and step out. Hello. He's a king of kings. And he says to us, I have given you authority. I have given you authority over the power of the enemy. So he's doing something. What can you do? What can you do? In Matthew 28 verse 18, he said this. He said, when he appeared to the, to the disciples, before he went up into glory, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me. So go. All authority in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth. He was booted out from heaven, brought here, and some, 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 some people, I've heard some people say, but God knows that he's powerful. Why did he send, why did he send him here? Christ said, I give you authority over the most ability. So here too, we have to enforce the authority of Christ. Enforce the authority of Christ. Praise God to deal with it successfully. God is secured. And hey, the Bible says this. We are co-laborers together with who? God. Second Corinthians 6 verse 1. We are co-laborers together with God. Co-laborers. Co-laborers. So every working moment, we should be filled with a sense of responsibility. I can see something going on that is not right. You've got your authority. And this authority means that you have to walk in wisdom and knowledge. There's something you need to alter something. Somebody brings some work. It's not nice. It's not good. What do you do? Say, no, no. Go and do it this way. Go and do it that way. Sometimes you have to instruct. Sometimes you have to command. It does not mean that we have to use force or boot strength to do anything. Because authority doesn't do that. Authorities don't do that. Authorities correct. They ask. They say things. This thing, can you, do it? can you go and do it that way? No, you don't do it like that. You do it this way. And then you know that in, you are speaking in the authority of Christ against that spirit that is operating, that is acting. Hmm. You see... It's not every place that you, can, that, that you can be. But where you are, where you are and things are happening, 
understand that you've got the authority to override things, to change things, to put things right. I just want to give an illustration. You are the father or you are the mother in a home or you are the senior person in a place and you come and there's commotion. What do you do? Do you lift your hands in the air and say, oh, oh, what are you doing? Oh, you're messing this place up. What have you done? Do, do you do that? No. You find out what is going on. And they say, no, things shouldn't be like that. You pass here, you do that, you do that. And you set things straight. You take authority. Christ is saying, let's do that. Let's do that. As we bring his truth into people's lives. Changing their thinking, changing their mind and their attitude and everything. You are bringing their authority. You are accessing their authority in Christ. There is someone is sick. You are praying over them for them to be healed. You are bringing the authority of Christ in that place. Demons running up and down. You are praying in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, out of that person. You are bringing the authority of Christ there. But like I said, it will involve wisdom and knowledge. But besides wisdom and knowledge, we have to understand something. This authority is not in our own name. This authority is in the name of Christ himself. So it means submission to Christ. As long as we are submitted to Christ, you would realize that what you do carry authority. Because the authority is in the relationship that we have in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. The authority, beloved, is not, in some, is not in a feeling. Let me make that very clear. Oh, I don't feel the authority. No, you might not feel the authority. Hello? If you're a teacher, when you go to the classroom, do you feel... Is it, okay, let me ask you that, our parents. Maybe for the first few weeks when you go, when you go your baby, when you go your, when you go your child, you felt that you are something. But now do you feel authority? You don't, you don't feel authority, but you exercise authority. You just exercise it. So as long as we, we remain under Christ, you are not up, understand, become conscious of the fact that you have been given that authority to serve people, to bring people out of the kingdom of darkness. You see, this authority is, is not for ourselves, but it is for the freedom, it is for the liberation, it is for, it is for freeing people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And it's about being submitted to Christ. James 4 verse 7, James James put it this way. He says, submit yourself to God. Submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. So you see, that, that, so the, there's a need for that. It's, it's so, the, the whole thing is, is ma making sure that we are under Christ. We are under Christ. Praise God. I'm talking about taking authority in all levels. Not just in praying alone. I'm talking about authority in every level. Something is not going right. Say, so, you know, I'm the spiritual authority here. What can I do? What is missing here? What can I bring in? What can I bring into the picture to correct this, this, this thing? Because I need to make sure that the kingdom of God is expanding, is coming in here. What can I bring into the picture? It starts from there. Hallelujah. It starts from there. And like always, start from where you are. Start from where you are. And as you start from where you are, you know, you develop the confidence to move on and to move on and to move on and to move on. Praise God. See, but there's something I must say here. 
to exercise spiritual authority, we need to make sure that our emotions, our thoughts, and our deeds are under God. Praise God. Make sure that our emotions, our deeds, and our thoughts are under God. Because you see, when your emotions are running wild, when, you, when your emotions are running you, first of all, you are in no authority of your own self. Hello? Is someone hearing me? When your own emotion, your own your own emotions are running you wild, you respond to every emotion that comes up upon you. How then you go and tell someone to you know to to order them them themselves and your own thoughts? Your own thoughts are driving you crazy. There is authority to silence those things. Praise God. Silence those things. Bring those thoughts under the subjection of Christ Jesus through the word of God. You say, how? Through the word of God. Think about the word of God. You see, there is, there is something about, there is, there, okay, let me explain the mechanism here. Let me explain the, the mechanism here. Try this exercise. Sit down for about five minutes and... All you do is let praises, let praises, let thanksgiving, let adoration just be brewing in your heart. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just let it praise, just in your mind, inside, inside you. Just praise God, just exalt Him, just, just talk. It will get to a point you can't contain it. You will reach a point you can no longer contain it within you. It will burst out. It's the same thing. With controlling those thoughts and those emotions. As the word of God is, you are ruminating on it, you are thinking on it, you are feeling on it, you are chewing on it, you are thinking about them. It's, it's, it's in your thought, it's in your mind. It's, it's, it, you would realize that it will put those emotions into check. Those wrong thoughts, some, those, those, those uncircumcised thoughts that come to defile you and you don't feel confident to stand before God. Oh my goodness, you will bury them. Amen. The moment you start taking authority over them in your own mind, in your own self, bring them under, you bring them under, under obedience. Hallelujah. For you see, until we are obeying God's commands, we have no proof that we love him. And if we do not love him, then there's no way our actions and deeds will promote the kingdom of God. No way, no chance. It's only those who are showing that they love the father by obeying his commandments, whose actions and deeds will be promoting the kingdom of God. Oh, God have mercy. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, we are talking about liberating souls, about freeing souls from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, Christ Jesus. That's what we are talking about today. It's about having the authority over the power of the enemy to free people from Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Shall we pray?
Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we give you the praise. Lord, we give you glory. Thank you for your word that has come to us. I just want to pray for someone. You are not born again. You've never known Jesus. You are, you are not one of his disciples. You don't know him. But you are aware of the reality. You are aware that our world is really struggling. This evil is compound, is increasing, and you, and you are concerned about it. But you yourself, you're not even born again. You see, maybe you deserve to do something about this situation, but the thing is that you can't. Because you are, if you're not born again, you are already under the control of Satan anyway. Your first step is to be, is to be born again. Your first step is to accept Christ Jesus. He's the one that gives the authority. And he gives this authority to his disciples. So you want to accept him. You want to accept what he done on the cross for you. That he died on the cross for you. That you'll be saved. You want to pray to him and say, Lord Jesus, today. I want, to one, I want to be one of your disciples. But I know I'm not yours. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Wash me with your blood today. Save me. Save me. Deliver me from this control of Satan. I want to serve in your kingdom. Talk to him. Talk to him. And may the Lord bless your heart with his joy and with his peace as you come to him with a heart that is truthful towards him. You are a Christian. You are also hearing me. And you see, you, you have never thought about exercising any authority in Christ. You think that, you know, this is just for some people and not you. But today you realize that you've got a, a, a responsibility. You want to pray and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And the help you're asking for is this, that you go from here and begin to, you know, ponder on this truth. Ponder. This is a starting point. Let this truth, if there's anything you want to take away from here, I've told you about what Christ has made available for you. I've explained the text to you, but what you want to do right now is to, is to begin to think about it deeply. And begin to live. Live it out. Live it out. Live it out. Live it out. You want to pray the Lord help me. Help me understand this truth. Pray, let the words of the Lord help me understand this truth. Help me understand this truth. Is there, if there's anything I have not understood yet, I pray. Let it come to my understanding. Lord, clarify it for me even before I leave this service. You want to pray. Lord, help me. He says he has given unto us authority over power. Accept that you have been given authority over the power of the, of the enemy. It is authority over power. It is authority over ability of the enemy. And it's for one purpose. To free people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. To, to advance the kingdom. Any single life. It could be your child. It could be a, a, another person. It could be a... a a, a colleague on the workplace. It, 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 it could be anybody. It, it, it could be anything. When you, by the authority of Christ, 
see where they are and you take authority and you bring them into the light you believe that your words will have impact that your suggestions will have impact and you bring them out you want to believe that yes you are you'll be advancing the kingdom of god you've been bringing that soul out of darkness into light you see let's stop thinking that the society that the many laws and the rules and, and, the, and the regulations will change anything they won't change anything man has lost mankind has lost some something the spiritual dimension to, to life is in the authority of Christ you may not be a politician you know you may not be a leader in government you see governmental authority deals with the social side of things the, the the physical but you are an agent of God on the spiritual side and this is our calling this is our task this is our mandate you want to embrace it you want to pray to God and say Lord I embrace my call I embrace this man I embrace this task I embrace it Lord we embrace this task we embrace Lord God Almighty we embrace it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. I'd like to pray for those whose birthday fell between last Monday and today. I'd like to pray for them. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.